podcast where we, a real-life mother and daughter duo, rewatch Gilmore Girls and discuss the misadventures of fictional mother and daughter duo Lorelai and Rory Gilmore. I am Tessa Dare, a writer and the author of the paranormal mystery series The Karans and Chronicles and Beth's Daughter. And I am, I guess, technically on my second coffee of the day, although they are these little frizz coffee bottles. I, I call them my coffee sodas. It's, it's carbonated coffee. Coffee sodas. Yeah, it's yeah, slightly sweetened carbonated coffee, and they're smaller than a normal cup of coffee, so feels like a low coffee day for me. And I am Beth, Tessa's mom, and also a writer. Tessa and I have been talking about art and culture pretty much since she could read. These conversations have frequently taken on a marathon quality, so at some point, one of us said we should move our discussions to the digital world, maybe even into a podcast. The Gilmore seemed like a good choice because the story resonates with us. I was a single mom of a teenage daughter attending a private school we could not afford. Many of the show's plot lines touch on topics we like to discuss, such as images of women in popular culture, structural elements of storytelling, such as character development, and music and movies in general. This is our second-to-last podcast, or as uh, Trevor Noah says, podcast on the Gilmore Girls because we have reached a point where we feel a need to look at the broader landscape of women in movies and television. We don't have it all figured out yet, but we will have more details for you in our last episode. A final note, I am recording in St. Louis and Tess is in Seattle. I have had a large cup of coffee from Breadco this morning and I've kind of been nursing it on and off all day, finally finished it, and I'm still tired. (laughs) (laughs) But... I'm ready. Let's go. And uh, we now have a Patreon. If you would like to support us on Patreon, you can find us at patreon.com slash where you lead. Uh, and yes, this is the second to last episode of the first season. So we will be finishing the first season before we move on to our new format. Uh, every week, we start off with a synopsis of the episode along with the date it aired before heading into our discussion. Today, we are discussing season one, episode 20. P.S. I love dot dot dot. Love is the word that is not spelled out, which originally aired May 3rd, 2001. Yeah, and for a brief description, basically, Rory's in a bad mood, it's not getting better, and she and Lorelai end up having uh, an unexpectedly nasty fight over it, and nasty on Rory's part, (laughs) and then she runs away to the grandparents' house. Yeah, Rory kind of feels like she's being overly protected and lied to or not lied yes. to but uh like people are keeping things from her yeah. in in all aspects of her her relation all of her relationships so yeah. um she's feeling a little put upon in this yeah. episode we open with her and with the two of them getting breakfast i guess or yes. at least morning coffee at luke's and it's one of those scenes where you gotta wonder do they ever eat a full meal at home <laughs> other than other than pizza and pop tarts, yeah. yeah. uh, but she's yawning, saying she's not been sleeping well, which I can completely relate to. Her mother's telling her a story at some point, and she just yawns right through it. Mm-hmm. And then they end up playing a game so that so because Lorelai thinks she needs to wake up before she goes to school. Imagine yes. that. 
So it, it's a one, two, three game where they, and it's a stupid game. It's a yeah, really stupid it's game. It's pretty dumb. <laughs> First of all, you have to assume that somebody's going to walk past the window, which yes. I guess is a valid assumption in Stars Hollow, which is a small town. But two people, two men walk, walk by, an older one, and then one on a skateboard, maybe? Yeah, much, anyway, a much younger one. Yeah, Much younger. And so the, the, the point of the game is that they walk by... You, you have to choose one you're going to marry. Yeah, and you, you only get, get, you get three Three, yeah. Shots. And so the first one is too old, the second one is too young, and the third one, Goldilocks, is Kirk. Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so why wasn't it Luke? Can, why doesn't he count? Because he does come uh, to I think because the he, table. he didn't walk past the window, specifically. Yeah, I guess that's it. Uh, but right. I feel like that is also an intentional thing where, like, the, the show is setting you up for, like, he should be the one. Yeah, definitely. And then they they get out. They say, I guess that's the begin the end of the first the opening scene. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, well, Kirk walks in, and Lorelai and Rory are kind of like laughing over the fact that it's him, and he gets confused and walks back out. Um, and Lorelai says something <laughs> like, "No, Kirk, come back. I love you." The actor in this scene playing Kirk looks so young. You know, yeah. we've seen him recently in at least I have in other TV shows, and that's how I was visualizing. And when I looked at him closely, I thought, man, he was young there. He looks like he's about 22. But but go ahead, what you, what you were going to say. Well, then the scene takes a, a dark turn right before going to the credits, uh, because the next is Rory's turn. And of course, the first person who walks past the window is Dean, and she gets uh. immediately upset. Uh, and then we do go to the credits, I think, after that. And the next scene after that is uh, Max calls Lorelai to ask her out on a proper date after they've been talking on the phone for a couple of weeks. I made no notes about that except to say that it happened. <laughs> okay. Because my, my next note is salt and vinegar chips from Lane. So mm. I don't know which one of those two scenes happens first. But... I believe the Max thing happens first, but I don't think it's a very long scene. And then we go immediately into Lane coming out of the market with stuff for Rory. Yeah, and she, she's gone in to do it because it's, well, she knows that Rory doesn't want to see Dean, who works in the market. So it uh, turns out that it's Wednesday and he doesn't work there. And they've established this before, that he doesn't work in the market on Wednesday. Yeah. So I don't know why they had to reestablish it. But anyway, so she brings all this stuff out to her. But I wrote down salt and vinegar chips because I thought, oh, man. One of the things I love about this show is that they like things that I like. So she gives her a bag of salt and vinegar chips and a copy of The New Yorker. And mm. I thought, that's a that's a good friend. <laughs> And that those are the those are the kind of details that I that I love about this show. And she also she being Lane also like says to Rory something along the lines of, uh, "He doesn't work on Wednesdays, so you can make a little note in the secret list that you keep that you don't want me to know about for some reason." And like, sure enough, Rory ends up taking out like the world's tiniest notebook <laughs> and makes a little note in there. And she's resistant during the entire scene mm -hmm. to admitting that she had sent Lane in because she didn't want to see Dean. Mm -hmm. And there's a resistance on Rory's part throughout the show, throughout the episode, to let other people in to what yeah. she's feeling. She doesn't want to share. She doesn't want to reveal herself. Yeah. And, <clears throat> and she also feels like they're, I mean, it's kind of what she thinks they're picking on her, but what mm -hmm. they're really doing is trying to protect her. Mm -hmm. And at some point... She realizes that and says, you know, stop, tell people, stop trying to protect me. Yeah. And, well, the reason they want to protect you is because you are being such a recluse with your feelings. You know, you're, yeah. not, you're, not, you're not sharing. And to the, with the people who are closest to you, Lane yeah. and her mother. 
She doesn't want to talk to them at all about why she and Dean broke up, which, by the way, it's been four or five episodes. I mean, we've we've gone through quite a bit of content since the the episode where they broke up, and yet here we are back at it like it was yesterday, which is a weird thing about this episode, I think. so. But I guess it's because it's coming up on the end of the season, and they have to have some kind of a a resolution on this. So Yeah, and I think they're setting us up for the next episode, which I won't say, but I think think this whole episode is kind of setting us up for the... The next episode, yeah. which is the season finale. Yeah, it's season finale in several different ways, and that that's yeah. one of them. So then there's a scene with Lorelai and Luke, and well, so so he's he's buying a gift for his girlfriend. Rachel, I guess we can call her that, Rachel. Yeah. But it, it's a pretty awful gift, and he yeah. says, you know, I I hate gifts. I don't want to go to the mall. What does he says? Employees are underpaid. Yeah, the he goes are on... overpriced, and there's t- terrible parking. And and it like and it contributes to like the commercialization of society or something. It's like it's a very yeah. like anti capitalist rant. I was I was with him a, on the rant. <laughs> it, it, it's a very Luke rant. I mean he's he's yeah. he's, he's given us several rants like this over the it, course it of is the season. Kind of funny to hear it now, um, because you know the show is twenty years old. At the time, mm-hmm. malls were still like very big and potentially like growing into new places now mm-hmm. most malls are dying there are fewer than there were before there's like a whole new genre of uh they call it like the the new gothic genre where people break into dead malls and take pictures of all the decay and stuff <laughs> i have not seen that but i but i believe it yeah uh, a lot of malls have been torn down mm-hmm. some have been repurposed into th- you know there's been discussion of repurposing them into housing yeah. um which is you know like low low cost housing which is desperately needed so <laughs> so yeah so yeah it's, it's an interesting scene but she convinces him he, she says, I know you don't want to like, you don't like the mall, but I love the mall. I love shopping. She's really hi- hyped up here. I mean, she's yeah. like, has she had she 15 is, cups of coffee? She's like manic this whole episode. She's, it's whole episode. She's manic. Yeah. So she gets his credit card for him and says, you know what? I will just go and buy a bunch of stuff. You can uh, keep what you want and I'll, I'll return the rest. It's all yes. on me. So and you can just pick what you want for her. So, so she does that. Uh, and before we can get to the, the scene, the follow-up scene to that, though, there's a couple of other scenes. One is where Mrs. Kim is just hilarious. This is the, what I have done as the next scene. I don't know. I don't know about you. Yeah, you're but this, correct. This actress yeah. is incredible. She's yeah, just, she's great. She's. I mean, it's a stereotype, but she, but she really just kind of punches through yeah. the stereotype and makes it all her own. And she's she's she remarkable. Has fantastic comedic timing for sure. She really does. She's yeah. just perfect. But apparently, Dean <laughs> is. Lane's science partner on the project that they are working on because the two of them still go to the public high school so they've been partnered on this project and they didn't request it but they Mm -hmm. they have she is keeping it from Rory and of course Mm -hmm. we know as soon as he walks in the door that he's the science project partner and because they kind of in the previous scene where they were talking Lane asked Rory what she's going to be doing that night and we we think that's harmless at at that at that point and she says oh I've got homework and that's going to be followed followed up by homework and then lane says she's got a a science project she's got to work on with a partner yes i think what she's doing in that scene is making sure that rory is going to be busy so because she knows that it's dean that's going to be coming over and there's nothing she can do about it i assume she's been assigned she she also like i I did notice in that scene that she said science partner and did not say who and there was a part of my brain that was like oh it's probably dean (laughs) 
I didn't even occur to me at that point because I wasn't sure what was going on yet. But now, but then when it gets to that scene, yeah. it, it all makes sense. Oh, also, this is just a tiny detail, but I don't know if you noticed this. When when they first go to sit at the table, because Mrs. Kim forces them to sit at opposite ends of the table and tells yes. them that they are not allowed to move. Uh, when that happens, you can see that there's like a chair hanging over Dean's head. Like she has oh, I didn't a chair notice from that. the ceiling. It's crazy. <laughs> It's like the the room is, you know, because this is Mrs. Kim's antiques. It's always packed with stuff. It's so packed with stuff that she has hung a chair from the ceiling, I guess, because she didn't have another place to put it. That's funny. I was yeah. I was focused on the dialogue because yeah. they, <clears throat> they're they talking and uh, she's trying to convince her mother. Lane's trying to convince Mrs. Kim that Dean is just there for the science project. She asks her what it's about. She says, oh, spores and molds and fungus. And mm-hmm. Mrs. Kim says, reproduction? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she keeps she keeps finding questions to ask them to make sure this isn't a date mm-hmm. or a salacious activity. Mm-hmm. So, I'm almost surprised uh, she didn't just like sit down between them to watch I am them too. work. <laughs> but but the other thing too is as soon as Dean shows up, we know that Rory's going to show up. So that's yeah. kind of a, it's like yeah. Well, anyway, so then we cut to well, they start working on their project. They they come to some kind of agreement that they can that they can do this. And Rory does come in. Then she gets upset and runs away. And Lane tries to run after her to apologize, but R- Rory is very not receptive to it. She won't admit that she's angry, but she also like clearly does not want to talk to Lane. And then the next scene is actually a, a continuously manic Lorelai waking Rory up and Rory's like super grumpy and Lorelai is like I guess jazzed on the idea of going to the mall she wakes Rory up and offers to let her skip school so that she can come to the mall with her but Rory does not want to do that again she refuses to admit that she's in a bad mood Uh, and then they have this this one exchange that very clearly exemplifies the like two different moods that they're in where Rory's looking for her tie and Lorelai suggests it might be in the living room and Rory says why would my tie be in the living room and Lorelai like kind of giddily (laughs) responds because it's been seeing the doily on the coffee table I'm sorry (laughs) I did not want you to find out this way (laughs) and Rory's just not having it she just says don't take this personal personally but get out (laughs) well and I think Lorelai has taken a day off so she can just do fun stuff she doesn't have a high pressure job but it is kind of it's a busy job. It's a job that keeps her, it's you know probably a 24-7 kind of job because there are people at the end. Yeah, it's also probably a job where it's easier for her to take off in the middle of the week than over the weekend. Yes, and I think this is a Thursday at this point. Yeah. So, um, so she's taking the day off. She's real excited about that. She wants Rory to skip school because, again, the, the roles here in, this, in their relationship are always reverse yeah worry is always the responsible one lorelei is is almost always the irresponsible one so she goes to the mall and she buys everything under the sun in fact when she gets the next scene when she's walking into late luke's shop with 15 bags on her on her arms she puts them down and then goes back out and gets some more and mm-hmm. and you know and then when she opens them up and because you know you're, you're sitting there she's doing this it's a visual gag and, and i'm thinking is all of that for him or all those gifts <laughs> 
What did she go on a, a yeah. shopping sports for herself? But turns out that she did pick out two really wonderful gifts. A book. What was the book? Yeah, it's a book out of Africa by Isaac, Isaac Dennison. Dennison. And yeah. she, there was a movie made about it. Meryl yes. Streep was in it. Yeah, I did look up the summary very briefly, and it sounds like exactly the book that you would expect that is called Out of Africa, written by a white woman. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. Oh, totally. It's, yeah. yeah. The, the well, I think you... fairly, fairly wealthy white woman. Yeah. Yes. Wealthy. <laughs> yeah. Wealthy white woman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She was a yeah. baroness at one point. Oh, yeah. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I've seen the movie all the way through. I thought it was a little boring. But she went, I guess she'd had a conversation with Rachel, mm-hmm. and maybe she'd seen the movie and she wanted to to read the book but she hadn't read the book and Lorelai told her that she has to because you've got to read the book yeah which was a lie she's never read it but Rory had (laughs) Rory had yeah so of course Rory had Rory's read everything so she she gets her a copy of the book and it's 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 a beautiful you know hardcover book and then she also gets her a new camera bag. Yeah, Rachel is a photographer and mm-hmm. she has traveled all over the world taking photos for we have to assume magazines like uh, National Geographic that kind of thing. So she has a, a camera bag that is falling apart and it's a, it's a lovely um, leather bag. But as she's as they are admiring it, she shows it to Luke who does think it's a good idea. But I'm sitting here thinking, uh. I don't know if she really gets if she really does travel all over you know the world if she goes to Africa is this really the kind of bag she's going to want to take her scruffy falling apart one is probably a better one but anyway that's a that's off topic Although but but leather it, I mean I will say like leather holds up really well so it I, does it, it is it, a, does. it is a sturdy bag I would assume and it also like you know it's it's pretty easy to clean so even if she's going to be in like really dusty places like I do mm-hmm. think ultimately a leather bag is probably gonna be better in the long term than a nylon bag. And so it's a, it's a wonderful gift, and she's she's chosen really well, and Luke appreciates it. But then yeah. he says, "Well, what is all this other stuff?" So she starts <laughs> pulling out. I mean, she was driving me crazy. She starts pulling out clothes for him. Oh, here's mm-hmm. two black sweaters, and here's a this, suit, and this here's suit, a belt. One hundred seventy five percent off. <laughs> And then now she goes all the way up to six hundred thousand yes. dollar, six hundred thousand percent off. Yes. And and of course, I don't know if you noticed it, but later on when he's when he's got the suit on and he pulls the the price tag out and he's standing there looking at it dumbfounded. Yeah. But so yeah. we don't know what the price is. We never get to that. But um, but she's got all these clothes for him that don't really seem to fit his personality. He's you know True. he's kind of a scruffy beach bum looking kind of guy. Wears his hat you know baseball cap backwards. But on the other hand, uh, if he does want to take her out to dinner on her birthday she didn't buy him a tie she yeah. bought him a sweater to wear under the suit it's a yeah, very it, cool look gq is what what they said yes, at some point oh, it's a very gq look and it is yeah it's it's a bit more modern it's definitely not mm-hmm. as stuffy as like a suit with a tie it's certainly not something that her father would ever wear no uh, no <laughs> and it, it does look like it's relatively comfortable you know to make it more luke maybe she could have just gotten him a nice shirt and told him to wear it with jeans you know yeah I mean, I, you know, I guess like I do live in Seattle, which is a city where people, men in particular, don't necessarily dress that nice all the time. But usually my partner can just get away with wearing a nice shirt and jeans to any restaurant that we go to. Yeah. The one exchange that they have that I thought was really funny. I did think that Lorelai was kind of crazy in. Obnoxious. She was obnoxious. Yeah. <laughs> she was a bit obnoxious. Uh, but she, she's like begging him to try it on. And she goes, just this once, be too sexy for your shirt and do a little dance on the catwalk. <laughs> 
<laughs> and he says, get away from me, you mental patient. Yeah, it, it, it's insane. It's it's really, really insane. So, uh, and not even funny, not even in a cute way. She just comes off as being I think obnoxious. It, it's just, yeah, I mean, like, I think some of her lines are funny, but it's just, she's just at, like, such yeah. a high level. She does mention at some point that she was, yeah, she, like, got buzzed off of two sugar cinnamon pretzels. So I think maybe in this scene, we're supposed to see her as, like, she's just still on that sugar high. But it's like yeah. the whole episode she is this way. The whole episode. She's out of control. So then uh, is the next scene it's at Rory's school? Yeah. Right? R- yeah. Rory in Max Medina's class. And this is a question. So he um, he's teaching. And we're not sure exactly what he's teaching at first. But he's talking about a book that is not actually on their syllabus that he encourages them to read called mm-hmm. The Art of Fiction. So I looked that up because it sounded familiar, and there are like 14 books called The Art of Fiction. Yeah, and I tracks. thought, and one of them's John Gardner, that name I recognize, and one of them is Henry James. And I thought, oh, maybe he's talking about Henry James. And then sure enough, they picked, he's, what he wants them to do is that they are, they are reading Henry James. And he said, you have the choice to pick which Henry James novel you want to read. I don't know that he wrote that many. He did write a couple, but I would say like... If you're given the choice of which one to read and Daisy Miller counts, you should read Daisy Miller because it's super short. It barely qualifies as a novel. Yeah. <laughs> I think even I've read that one. It's it's actually a really interesting scene and show, she kind of showcases Max's teacher. Um, he's a pretty good teacher. I mean, he comes across in that scene anyway. He's a pretty good teacher. Although but... I did have a question. My, my question was, okay, so their assignment is to pick a Henry James book and then write a report on it. And it's due. Oh, in a week. there's that word again. Yeah. So, like, for, yeah, first thing is like, a I don't book really report? know. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> anyone who had to do book reports in high school. Like, by the time we were in high school, there were like, you had to do argumentative essays, not right. book reports. Um, right. But the and other point, private prep school. So, yeah. yeah. But the other point is, have they, I, it's not clear from the scene whether they have already read multiple novels by him and they just have to pick one of the ones that they've read or if they're supposed to pick one and read it in under a week and then That's write their report on it. it it's it's not clear and yeah you know it almost makes me wonder if the writers actually finished college or went yeah. to college finished college because presumably they went to college but report essay That's, yeah. it's one one word Write an essay on it and, you know, make a case or something. Like you said, argumentative mm-hmm. essay. So that's all you have to do. I mean, and, and usually most my most of the teachers I've ever had would give you a choice. Here's five topics. But I guess if he's, yeah. he's letting them choose the book, he you know, what, what, what a yeah, good that's... teacher would say, choose the book. Let me know what the book is. I'll give you five topic options for that book. They're trying to set him up to be a good teacher and he is a good lecturer. Mm-hmm. but it's interesting because i like i have as, as we have mentioned before i've watched a lot of teen dramas from this time and i will say that i think gilmore girls is gets gets it much more correct than most uh. teen dramas do not necessarily in the assignments but like they do like it's very clear that the writers do actually like know the names of well-known writers who are considered part of the classics you know that they actually uh-huh. do a lot of name dropping here that implies that you know they do to some extent know what they're talking about but that's really only if i compare if i compare them exclusively to 
other teen dramas where, you know, you basically only ever get like a reference to Shakespeare, maybe. And it's usually Romeo and Juliet because it's a teen mm-hmm. drama. And if you're doing Romeo and Juliet, you can do a kissing scene. So mm-hmm. right. Uh, yeah, if, right. if you compare it to an actual school, like your actual experience in school, and you know, it's it's been a while for me, but I do still remember how these assignments go and they don't go like this it's no, just like when they in, were studying for the english test and for some reason that involved rote memorization of dates and nothing else yeah yeah and you and i 30 years apart in, in terms of when we were in school same mm-hmm. for me i actually don't think i wrote a book report quote unquote after grade school yeah i don't think so i don't th- i think that's a grade school thing and yep. it's a very specific kind of report and mm-hmm. it's basically it's one page mm-hmm. you the title the main characters and they're they're start they're introducing the idea of you know themes and yeah. character development and all that but it's but it's usually just one page it's not very in depth so by the time you get to even seventh grade they were getting into you know the the three paragraph essay mm-hmm. it may also only be one page but it's but it's a much more analytical approach yeah. and by high school forget it it was all essays and and actually my school each year was a different just like in college each year was a different period in mm. in hit in in literature so like freshman year it was american literature cuz yeah. huckleberry finn and i don't even, don't remember the other year. Isn't that terrible? And of course, the final year was, was AP. But so what? There are sophomores, I assume, yeah. because there's sixteen, maybe seventeen. We're not sure. It's never been clear. But but they're sophomores. So what what era are they studying in in this class? Who knows? At my school, I don't think we really did like each year was a different period. But they would sometimes line up certain things that we were reading with the history class. Now, part of this is because it was a very mm. small school, so they could do that. Um, yeah. But like we, we would, I, I distinctly remember we started reading Dante around the time that in our history class, we were studying the period that he was writing in. And that was intentional. They, they lined it up a little bit because they could do that. Oh, in this scene, Rory's kind of looking at the window. He's a little mm-hmm. distracted. Yeah. She doesn't really hear the assignment. He picks on her. Yeah. And says, Miss Gilmore, okay, did you did you get that? And she says, No, I really didn't. So he says, Okay, come up after class and and we'll talk. And at that moment, and it's it, it, we have to remember that the last episode, Rory and Paris, who had started to get along, oh, I don't even remember what happened, but something happened, and they're bickering again. Oh, I, I think it was that Rory tried to set Tristan and Paris up, and then oh, he yeah. rejected Paris. Yeah, and yeah. she kind of bllamed Rory for that because I think she she had not realized that Rory had gotten him setup. to ask her out yeah so yeah, she's, yeah. she's kind of mad at Rory for what Rory's currently mad at everyone else for yeah trying trying yeah. too hard to help her out yeah. um, although like, Paris's actions in this scene are kind of interesting because she does notice that Rory is not paying attention and she does alert her friends uh, and then she, like, Max tries to call on Rory, and Rory just doesn't notice, and then Paris pushes her book off of her desk to make, like, a loud thumping noise, and then goes, oops. I feel like they're trying to say that she's trying to be mean, but it almost felt like she was doing Rory a favor, because it feels like it would have been worse. Like, that's what gets Rory's attention, is the book, the loud noise of the book thumping on the floor, and it almost feels like the situation would have gotten worse if Rory had continued to notice. Yeah. That that was a very interesting thing to do. I, I'm yeah. I'm like you. I'm confused. I don't know if it was mean. It's all we see of Paris in this whole episode, and it's kind of confusing. <laughs> and, and and right after that, 
Max is talking to Rory, and I actually kind of like Max in this scene because he he's definitely comes across as a good teacher and yes. someone who cares about Rory. But then he also reveals in the in the conversation with her that he and her mother have started to talk again, yes. and they may be starting to date again. Yes. Uh, which is something that Rory didn't know about, and mm-hmm. she gets upset about that. She thinks people are keeping things from her, mm-hmm. and just you know, just like Lane didn't want her to know that Dean was coming yeah. over for a project because she wanted to protect her. Yeah, her mom hasn't told her that she's talking to Max because she wants to protect her because she's just broken up with her own boyfriend. Yeah, and she she, she explains later on in the episode where yeah. you know you're you're going through this breakup and I'm going back to my boyfriend again. That's I'm your mother. I'm I'm supposed to understand. I'm supposed to be sensitive. You know, I know that how I can't imagine how that would make you feel, and I I didn't want you to have to go through that until it was absolutely necessary. Clearly, but she doesn't know that yet. She's just upset. So the next scene is Luke and Lorelai in the diner again. Luke has mm-hmm. apparently off screen acquiesced to Lorelai's request to try. Which on is the surprising. Clothes. Yeah, it's a bit surprising, and he comes out in the clothes, and he looks good. She, you he know, looks great. It, it's certainly not his usual look, but yeah, he looks he looks fantastic. They're like well fitted. He looks great in black. He's kind of like hunching his shoulders, which kind of dampens the effect a bit, but it does feel like that is what Luke would do. Um, but no, he he looks he looks great, and you can tell that Laura is, is pleased. It is a very GQ look. Yes. But my question was, how does she get those sizes so right? Yeah, that's a good question. I am not sure. <laughs> I mean, I this, it's a really good fit. Yeah, so. it's a very good fit. I, I mean, you know, magic of television. But yeah. then kind of the crux of the scene is uh, he puts the belt on slightly wrong and Lorelai just like comes over to fix it for him and is like touching him and like intimately it is adjusting his, his in belt. In a very it's intimate waist. way, yeah. She like pulls up his shirt a little bit to see it. Like she's just like it's 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 one of those things where it's like, you know, if you are close friends with someone, that might not be that weird, but they are also doing this in the middle of the diner. I would I would maybe do that with my brother and my son. But yeah a, a, a man a man that she's attracted to that she's admitted, you know, that she's attracted to you no. Know, it's inappropriate. It's very it's very it's, intimate. It's yeah it's but it's, it but it's not... Lorelai all over the place. That's true, and she's been so manic this episode. And of course, Rachel, the sort of girlfriend, comes in right at that moment and sees it, and you can see on her face that she feels like she has walked in on something weird. Uh, She doesn't say anything, and Lorelai just kind of, like, laughs it off and then leaves, but it's just like, yeah, if I walked in on Lorelai adjusting my boyfriend's belt like that, (laughs) I would be concerned at a minimum. (laughs) I, I think I would too. And they don't even explain it. You know, that she just, she kind of, I mean, like she you says, said, brushes it off and walks out. Yeah, she says that she's dressing him, but they don't explain, like, I bought him these clothes so he would look nice for you. Yeah, and she, but but it's a surprise for her, so she doesn't want to spoil the surprise. But the surprise but is still. kind of already spoiled, though, because she can yep. see him in the clothes. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a pretty short scene. Uh, and then we move on to Rory getting off the bus. That's a great, I mean, and yeah, and the thing is, my first thought was, oh, Lane is such a good friend. She's sitting there with two cups of coffee at the bus stop, waiting for her best friend to get off the bus. And it's just really sweet. Yeah. So she, she hands a cup of, cup of coffee to her, and Rory is mad. I mean, not about mm-hmm. the coffee, but she's just, she she doesn't want to be protected. But she's the one making everyone else act that way because yeah. she's not opening up. And she's acting kind of fragile. Like, she's acting depressed. Yep. The smallest things seem to set her off. 
Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and in this scene, I think she's more mad at Lorelai than Lane because she has just learned that Lorelai is talking to Max again. And mm-hmm. I do feel like that is a I, – I, I totally get Lorelai's reasoning, but I do think that is a bigger violation than what Lane did because Lane couldn't help what she did. Mm-mm. You know, like, Lane did not choose to be partners with Dean. It was assigned to her, and she was just trying to not let Rory know about it. And it makes sense that she didn't want Rory to know because mm-hmm. she correctly guessed that it would make Rory upset. <laughs> I, I think they're both equal. I don't think what her mom did was any worse than what Lane did because it's because really they've it, only been talking for two weeks and it's only been on the phone. Although yeah. we we also know that she did show up at his house two but, weeks and, before and, the thing is, and they had sex. But and the thing is that like they dated before and it was yeah. a, a a rough breakup and we learned before that the biggest issue there was Lorelai not being honest with Rory about stuff and he is Rory's teacher so I think that that like does much more directly affect Rory so I think from Rory's point of view that would feel like a bigger violation though I agree I do understand Lorelai's reasoning and I don't think she was wrong I just think from Rory's point of view I could see that being a much bigger deal but the but the point is that they are both trying to protect her yes uh, because they perceive her as being fragile at this point so Lorelai and Rory have a big fight out big in the fight, middle of the yeah. street. Pretty rough scene. Yeah, R- Rory gets kind of nasty. So, I, like, I will say, like, I get where Rory's coming from, but I do feel like the things that she says to Lorelai are kind of uncalled for. Because she she says, "You'll you'll just break up again and probably get back together again, and you'll be crying, and I don't really want to deal with any of it. So just tell me when you're in the the final inning or something," which is pretty nasty. But also, but also honest and and astute. Yes, they they had already broken up at one point. But I also think that Rory is just lashing out, and she has you know found a potential flaw to lash out about. She's she's got a lot of big feelings, and she's not dealing with them. Well, and yeah, I think uh, Rory has. It's been a year of transition for her in a lot yeah. of ways. So she's it's this new school with new people, new teachers, a new culture. Her mom has dated her teacher, which yes. has been difficult for her. And yet she put up with it and dealt with it. And then her mother broke up with her teacher. And which is what she predicted all along. You know, Rory kept saying, you're going to break up with him and he's still going to be my teacher. To be fair, he technically broke up with her. <laughs> well, true, true. That's true. And then Lane, her relationship with Lane has had to change. You know, it was yes. it, it was just the, the nature of the beast. It's, you know, if you're not going to school together every day, even if you're good friends, you're only going to see each other in the yeah. evening and on the weekends. And, of course, during this year, she also, Rory, had her first boyfriend, which intruded on the time with her best friend. So it's been a year of transition. And towards the end of this year, she breaks up with, with Dean. Yeah. Or he breaks up with her. We're not. It, it's kind of a little bit of, of both, and and actually that that comes out later in the, in the in the episode. But so that's happened. She's still feeling fragile from that and from everything that's going on. And then here are these people once again. And the, you you have mentioned this before that the whole town sees it as their mutual group responsibility mm-hmm. to take care of Rory and to yeah. parent her and to protect her. Yeah. Like she's this fragile child. And here mm-hmm. are these two people that she loves the most in the world who are doing it to her in a way that makes her just feel awful. Yeah. Anyway, so it's a, it's a difficult scene and it ends with Rory running away from home. 
Yes, yeah, they agree to meet up at home, and when Lorelai gets there, Rory is gone, and Lorelai yeah. can't find her. And it's it's difficult. For me as a parent, she walks through the house, but it doesn't occur to her that she's run away. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that kind of happens over the coming hours. Yes. So then we cut to the grandparents, and we realize she has run away to her grandparents, has taken a cab there, which probably costs an arm and a leg, because it's, you know, how many, 30 minutes away. As soon as I see her at her grandmother's door, I, my first thought is one of these two people one of these three people needs to call Lorelai immediately because she's going to freak the fuck out any good mother would and and it's I don't know how much time has gone by but by the time that uh Emily finally does call takes her time and gloats a little bit a little bit about this well look she she ran away to us which really bothers me about Emily I don't I don't she does gloat a lot of times, but I can't imagine as a mother, this seems out of character, as a mother that she wouldn't immediately say to Rory, it's fine for you to stay here, but you need to call your mother right yeah. now because yeah. she's going to be scared. Yeah. And why didn't the writers have Emily do that? Yeah, well, I'm not even sure that I view it as gloating so much as rejoicing in her ability to take control of the situation because it feels like she immediately when she calls Lorelai she does call Lorelai and like to be fair some of the like wait time might be that it took Rory a while to get there because it would have been half an hour to a 45 minute cab ride but it it like the way that Emily acts on the phone is that she's very controlling of the situation. Everything that Lorelai asks for, Emily shuts down. She's like she won't let her talk to Rory. She which won't even pissed agree. me off because yeah. that that's that's wrong. I'm sorry. This is not yeah. your child. This yeah. is Lorelai's child. She needs to speak to her. Know that she's safe. Yeah, and that that really bothered me. That that yeah. I, see, so I, I this whole thing with yeah. Emily just really the way she handles it is wrong. It feels like she is using concern for Rory's feelings as an excuse to kind of control yep. Lorelai's access to her, basically. Yep. And that's wrong. I, it's just, yeah. it's hurtful. It's manipulative. And this is exactly why Lorelai left home. Yeah. Because her mother yep. is this kind of person. But you would think that as a mother who whose own daughter ran away, mm-hmm. that she would not act this way. I, I was really disappointed in, in Emily's. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Emily is a complicated character, and I feel like, in a way, it's like she doesn't even view this situation as, like, Lorelai is missing her daughter. I mean, I feel like the way that she views Rory is, like, a second chance at Lorelai, you know, a a second chance at the Lorelai that she actually wanted. So I feel like, in a way, she almost doesn't even view Lorelai as Rory's mom so much as, like, as a competing mom. You know, and 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 the other thing in this scene is that why doesn't Rory call? Because she has been in a situation before where her mother has freaked out the night she stayed yep. out all night, and she knows what the rules are. You know that that her mother needs to know where she is. Any any good parent is going to have that rule. So why does she let her mother suffer like this? I, it's very selfish. Yeah, it is very selfish. I mean, I think Rory's been pretty selfish this whole episode and to an extent that's understandable because she is suffering and she's not dealing with it and she is 16 but i i do think that this is 
kind of poor behavior on both Rory and Emily's parts. They're yeah. definitely being really insensitive to Lorelai, who has not really done anything wrong. Like, no, I, she I has understand. Not really. Yeah, like I understand why Rory is upset about Lorelai not telling her about Max. But Lorelai's reasons made perfect sense. She, you know, yeah. she didn't want to throw her happiness in her daughter's face in the middle of her daughter's own heartbreak. That yeah. makes sense. And like, I feel like it's Rory's own self-centeredness that keeps her from like accepting that reasoning. Because it's almost like when Lorelai tells her that, it's like Rory doesn't even want to hear it. I, I think it is that, but I think it's also that that Rory has really not yet worked through yeah what happened with dean so and she's refusing to work through it yeah uh and actually at the end of this episode her mother helps her with that which is probably the whole point of the episode but before we move on i i just want to back up just a little bit the the beginning of the scene before Rory (laughs) arrives at the uh at the door richard and emily are arguing because she's had uh emily has had several functions this week that richard had to attend she's trying to tie his tie they're getting ready to go to they're getting ready to go to one of them and he's he's frustrated he hasn't had any he hasn't had enough time to read his newspaper damn it (laughs) so he you know he's had he's had to be too social this week and and my thought about this almost instantly was this is a classic if we're going to talk about now and in the future the roles of men and women and how they're yeah. treated in, in film and in TV, the women's obligations are never as important as the man's. Emily goes to everything that Richard drags her to. Mm-hmm. She is the social she, wife. She rarely she does, complains. She never complains. She yeah. knows it's her job. It's it's her mm-hmm. her role in their in their marriage, and mm-hmm. she fulfills it. And in exchange for that, she has a really nice life. Mm-hmm. So. The tables are a little turned here, and he's had to go to more than one event in a week, and yeah. he's complaining about it like a little baby, mm-hmm. and I wanted to slap him. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, no, I'm sorry, but what she does helps your career. Mm-hmm. What she does is important to her. More importantly mm-hmm. than, than that is that what she does is her work. It's important mm-hmm. to her. She serves on a lot of boards. She supports a lot of charities, and you need to get out over it. This is what she does. You need to support her. Just the way she supports you, whether or not whether or not you see these people, at, you know that you're going to see at this event as ridiculous or, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter. It's what you're doing for her. Based on their conversation, what they're going to is a fundraiser for the Horticultural Society, which she says she is the head of. She's, so like, yeah, this on the is board. literally like yeah. her thing. She says she's the head of it. So, like, mm. this is, like, her function that it's very important for her to be there. And he's yeah. throwing this little fit. Yeah. He's, yeah, yeah. temper tantrum. And yeah. and it, it's important to her life. It's who she mm-hmm. is. It speaks to what what she has done with her life and how she uses her talents and skills. Mm-hmm. And he has no respect for that. Yeah. And it's just, it just really was a kind of an aggravating scene for me. And I, I needed to call it out. And I think it's unclear whether or not they continue with their plans to leave for the evening. She's old enough to be home by herself. I mean, I think, so, it's, I think it's implied that they don't because Richard yeah. is like happy to see her. And when Emily tells him to say something encouraging to her, his response is, Rory, I'm sorry you're upset, but I applaud your timing. Which I think implies so, that they're, they're not going to leave her they're alone. They're going to stay home, yeah. So yeah. She, she can probably blow it off by saying, oh, my, I've had a, a personal emergency and, and, and not show yeah. up. So I guess that's it, yeah. But uh, but it's still not, they don't 
they don't clarify that that's what happened. I just True. want to say. That was just a scene that I really didn't like. I mean, you know, the, and, it, and it made me think, too, that everybody in this episode has been contentious. You know, Richard is contentious because he has to give up hot several evenings in one week. Rory is contentious with everybody. And it, it's just it's kind of a theme. And episode. it also feels like the way that they've set up this scene, it feels like the show is on Richard's side, which feels kind of shitty. Because, like... Yeah. Again, like you were saying, this this is Emily's thing. This is what she does. But because of the way that the the scene plays out, they're like playing his desire not to go for laughs, and then in the end, he gets mm-hmm. his way because Rory shows up. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like Emily's not really asking for that much show, actually. <laughs> The dialogue is very minimalizing of what she does. So instead mm-hmm. of saying that the horticultural society at first, they talk about this particular plant that they're trying yes. to save. And I, it's such a difficult name, I can't. I didn't even write it down. So it, it's like to minimalize the importance of what they're doing. It's just, this is just silly, making it, making it feel silly. And then we, we find out, well, but it's a fundraiser for the horticultural society, mm-hmm. um, and she's on the board. So it's important mm-hmm. to her. Whether yeah. it's it's trivial or not, it's mm-hmm. it, you know it, it's important to her, and it's certainly not any more trivial than whatever freaking financial dude party he wants he drags her along to you know all the time. <laughs> anyway, so but my so my issue with Richard is that my issue with mm-hmm. Emily is that she she trivializes her daughter's mm-hmm. feelings on this and convinces her not to come and get her not to come and get Rory, mm-hmm. and then we find out the next day. That she's that Lorelai is so upset about this that she's gotten into her car three times and started to drive to Hartford and then turned around and the third time ran out of gas. Oh, I did want to talk about the scene. So after Lorelai finds out that Rory is at the grandparents' house, Max is there, and I did mm-hmm. kind of want to talk about their exchange a little bit. Well, and the reason Max is there is that she's called in the troops. She's called yes. Max. She's called Suki. And Suki. She's got everybody looking for her daughter. So yeah. that's the background to this and uh suki leaves to go check dean's place so max and lorelei are alone when uh, emily finally calls so uh so he's the only one who's there when she finds out what's going on and she expresses to him her feelings about the situation he he thinks now that they know where rory is that everything is fine but she is obviously upset he can't know what the other side of the conversation was but like it makes total sense that Lorelai is upset, not just for where Rory chose to go, but also that conversation that she just had with Emily, which was frustrating to the max, frustrating mm-hmm. to say the least. Um, and so she's kind of, she no longer has to worry about where Rory is, but she's still pretty upset. And Max uh, Max asks if he can ask her a personal question. And she says that he's like, he has certainly earned that because he showed up for this which like okay yeah it's good that he showed up for this but then he immediately asks her why she didn't tell rory that they were talking again and whether she has told anyone which she says no and then he's upset about that and i'm just like i don't really feel like he has a. I mean i guess he's he's not that upset but i just i don't really feel like he has a right to be upset first of all it's only been two weeks they say that Uh they've been talking for two weeks it's only been on the phone and also as we know, he dumped her last time. Yeah, I think it kind of makes sense if she's maybe a little bit gun shy because he dumped her right at the moment that she was ready to finally commit to him. 
he could be, he's a selfish asshole. And it's not that a personal question he wants to ask her. It's a question about him Uh and his needs. Mm -hmm. So again, both Richard and Max in these Mm -hmm. scenes have made everything in their lives with these women about them. And Mm -hmm. I hate to sound like the, like the angry feminist that I am, but, (laughs) but it, it, it's, it happens over and over again. And here's the thing. We, we see this in TV shows all the time. And it's never questioned. You know, it's like, I, I actually have, there have been a couple of recent TV shows that I've watched that I have just been, I just enraptured by because the women are treated as, as equal in terms of their needs with the men. And like Ted Lasso, for example, and I know everybody in the world is gaga about Ted Lasso, but the thing that I love about it that I keep seeing over and over again is how the women in this show are fully fleshed out characters and supportive of each other and loving to each other. And the friendships are just so positive. And, and it made me realize that in so many TV shows, and it's more so that than movies because there, there's, there's longer, you know, more drawn out stories. Too often, female friendship is treated as bitchy or, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's not always loving. And my experience has never been like the experience in most television shows. My experience with my friends is loving. And yeah. so when I see, and I can't think of the character's name, but Hannah Weddington's character and Ted Lasso, you know, embracing her, her female friends, this just feels real to me and it's loving and it's something we need to see more of because it's true. And especially, you know, in, in shows about teenagers where, you know, like Lane and, and Rory, and they do make up at the end of this episode, and they do have a close relationship, but a lot of their relationship this season has been fraught with conflicts based on Rory's immaturity that come out yeah, that happen because of her immaturity. Yeah, even though, like, it is often a loving relationship, it is kind of one-sided. It's always more mm-hmm. about Rory than it is about Lane. Exactly. And that's just yeah. not, in my in my experience, that it's not always, maybe it's true in high school because girls are still, you know, uh, maturing and mm-hmm. co- figuring out who they are. So maybe that's all true. But when we see these, these men getting laughs in this show or getting story time, I mean, like, yeah. FaceTime, getting, uh, what's the word I want? Screen time. Getting mm-hmm. screen time as selfish assholes who get to, mm-hmm. to say funny things. I don't think that's, that's a good thing to reinforce. I think we should be teaching men and, yeah. you know, that, that men should be, if, if they're going to be realistic in this modern era, because this was 20 years ago, I've got to remember that. Um, we hadn't really gotten through the Me Too thing and, and everything. And so it is, it is out of perspective that way but yeah yeah but i think it's also it's not even just that they're portrayed this way but that it feels like the framing portrays them as correct yes like, that richard is right to be so she, annoyed he's right about going to this and that yes. max is right to be kind of upset or upset concerned. that he wasn't her first concern yeah that her daughter was her first concern upset over this that that is legitimate and it's and not that, that she that she hasn't gone around and told everyone that they've gotten back together which i'm just like you haven't fully gotten back together yet. You haven't even gone on a date. You've just been talking on the phone. Like, I don't actually feel the need to broadcast to everyone that I'm having phone conversations with a person. <laughs> like, it's just, it's like not that big a deal. And on top of that, she has every reason to be a little gun shy with him specifically. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> already dumped her once. 
And, and not only dumped her, but insisted that they in, embark on the relationship to begin with, even mm-hmm. though she had concerns and misgivings about him being her daughter's teacher from mm-hmm. the get-go. Mm-hmm. And she has told him this, and I'm slamming on the table. That's going to come up on the, re- on the <laughs> microphone. But she, <laughs> she, she, you know, she told him from the beginning, this is difficult to me. She has told him every step of the way, and he has never listened to her. It's always been about what Max wanted. I don't come away from this episode feeling like that is something the writers and producers want me to feel bad about. Yeah. It's, it's like the romance is the most important thing. It doesn't matter that Lorelai is in this situation or that Rory is in this situation. All that matters is that Max gets what he wants. And that's a, that's a I'm, you know, I'm exaggerating, but, but, but that's but kind of the it, feel that I get. It is kind of like they, all that matters is that Max is like a, a charming and attractive guy and we don't actually examine all of the ways in which he is very selfish and would maybe not actually make a great partner for Lorelai because of said selfishness. We just sort of push past it and then frame it like it's Lorelai's problem. And the thing is, we can see, I think you and I can see anyway, that if Max and Lorelai were to get together, were to get married, she could probably transform him into a better person. But that is the emotional work, the emotional work that that women are expected to do that we should not have to do. And then when you compare him to Luke, who is a fully fleshed out, responsible human being who does not think that Lorelai has to take care of him or his feelings. Mm -hmm. Wow, what a contrast there. Hands down, Luke is a better dude, so... Yeah, and yeah, the the like the very uh, I guess is it it's not the very next scene, but like we very shortly after that get the Luke and Lorelai scene where she tells Luke that uh, Roy ran away. And to be fair, he does have his own emotional reaction because she tells him that Roy ran away and does not immediately tell him that she's safe. Yes, so he, he he's just <laughs> panicking about Rory. Because, because he loves he is Rory. Rory's dad. <laughs> and he's and he's a responsible human being. Yeah. But then he very quickly turns that into just being emotionally supportive of Lorelai and he kind of helps her fantasize about fucking up Dean. <laughs> uh which, you know, is definitely something that he is also enjoying, but you can tell that it's also like this is what Lorelai needed. She needed someone to kind of be in the same emotional space with her and vent about this situation that she's kind of powerless over. Like part part of what's happening with Lorelai here is she can't protect Rory from heartbreak. Heartbreak yes. has happened and now yes. Rory is kind of spinning out and Lorelai just has to helplessly witness it because there's nothing she can do. And it feels like Luke is the only one who gets that in this episode. And that's funny that you say that because that's my very next bullet point that I in my notes is that Lorelai and all the adults in Rory's life do treat her like a baby, but you can't protect your kid from breakup sadness. You can't protect it, protect them from sadness overall. People are going to break up with you. They're going to break your heart. People are going to die. People, you know, are going to hurt you. It's part of that maturing that happens in the teen years in the early twenties, experiencing that for the first, first time. And then let me, let me tell you, you get into your 50s and 60s and people your own age start dying and you realize that, that it never stops, this awareness of what life is going to throw at you. But it starts in the teen years, usually with yeah. your first boyfriend or girlfriend and the first breakup and how difficult that is. And the first one is the 
worst. And this is her worst one ever. I mean, you know, it, it, it gets never it never gets easy, but it gets a little bit easier and as you get older you you have the um emotional skills the, you know and the maturational point you know development to to cope with a little bit better yeah so first of all she's not doing that she doesn't know that she needs to let herself grieve this relationship that is yeah. something that teenagers generally you know they want to fix it they want it to, to to be undone they want it to go back but they don't always know how to grieve. And that's something yeah. that Lorelai could actually help her with. And she does a lot of right things at the end of this, this episode. I got to credit Lorelai for this. She's been manic this whole episode. She's been off the walls. But she, the ending of this episode is kind of perfect in what, how she handles it. So We skipped past a not very important scene, but it was kind of funny. Rory wakes up at the grandparents' house and Emily has given her skirt to their current help person Rosa <laughs> to press and also says that Rosa can make her a pop tart from scratch. Uh, and also just like rattles off like every dessert food under the sun. They have pancakes. They have blinces. They have eggs and bacon too. She, you know, yeah. she says, you, we can make you whatever you want, you know? And, and the interesting thing in this scene is that you're talking to a teenager whose whole life revolves around eating out, eating mm-hmm. pizza, eating pizza that's been delivered, eating Pop-Tarts mm-hmm. on the way to school. She doesn't get a real meal, and no. except on Friday nights at her, her grandparents' house. But she's, she, they not only say, you know, we've got all these things you can have. She chooses eggs, and I think they, yeah. they give her a waffle with that, too, because you can see the, the plate has a waffle and strawberries on it. So she gets some good food. And they make her a lunch that actually has a decent sandwich in it. They make her a real lunch that she can take yeah. to school. So the contrast with that and Lorelai is, is yeah. just, it's just Although, amazing. Hilariously, I do feel like if she wanted to, she could probably eat a real meal every time they go to Luke's. It like, seems very clear that he does offer healthy options. They just don't choose those. <laughs> They don't choose them, and they never finish a meal. And they so never finish like, their meal. They, yeah. yeah. They, they get coffee, and then they go. So they have, they have yeah. to have those Pop-Tarts at home because that's the only thing they're eating. So, yes. Okay, and then I think the other important scene, we don't have to go into it that deeply, but we do need to say that it happened after Luke and Lorelai are talking. Lorelai actually goes to the store and ends up confronting Dean, at which point he tells her the truth about the breakup that she hasn't known yet. Which Very is that, important scene. Which is that he said, I love you, and Rory just sat there. Lorelai has not known this detail this whole time because Rory has not wanted to talk about it. So yeah. she just thinks that Dean just dumped Rory out of nowhere. And, of course, we have known this whole time that that's not true. And then... Lorelai goes to the grandparents' house to pick up Rory, and she has kind of a funny exchange with Emily on the way to Rory's room, Rory's room at the grandparents' house, where Emily is just pressure-talking at her, saying absolutely everything that she knows about Rory's status up till this moment, and Lorelai's like, okay, I don't need all that. Yeah. Uh, And then she goes into the room, and she and Rory kind of finally have the heart-to-heart that they have needed to have before you go any further there's a timeline problem here because we started off it was wednesday and then she ran away from home on thursday this is friday and friday night is their night at the grandparents house so she's picking her up after school because Lori has she went to school right so and she comes back to the grandparents house after school so presumably she's going to pick her up from her parents house and go home and then come back for dinner (laughs) 
Yeah. So it just throw that out there because they, they don't pay any attention to, to reality and uh, time wise in in this show, as we know. Yeah. So yeah. anyway. Um. Well, did you want to talk about uh, Lorelai and Rory's conversation? I like. I have. So- some mixed feelings about it although i do think that lorelei's speech is what rory needs to hear in that moment i can't visualize where it happened you're saying it happened in the bedroom it happens at at the grandparents house yeah in the it happens in the little the in the bedroom that emily made up for rory with the in sync posters on the wall oh that's right and there's there's um sunflowers yeah fresh sunflowers um, which i did i did make a note does emily replace the sunflowers in this room every week like automatically in hopes that her granddaughter will come over uh, yeah, I don't know, but it's also out of season for sunflowers. But they are small mm, ones. Yeah. She probably got him. Probably has a, a source where she she gets them. But yeah, I think so. Lorelai talks to Rory about her own commitment issues. Yes, and she she admits to her, I am the only role model you have, and I am not a good one in terms of commitment. And she she asks her, I think towards the end of the conversation, well, why is that, Mom? And she doesn't really know. But she says, you do not have to have those those kinds of commitment issues just because I have them. We are different people. And yeah. you have to ha- experience your relationships the way it feels right to you. And if somebody tells you they love you, if you love them back, it's okay to go ahead and say that to them. Uh, she gives her good advice. You have to admit You have to admit love if you want to experience it. Even if it hurts later on. And, and you know, and she also tells you that getting hurt is part of the process. It's part of life. And unless you just find the one person for you when you're 16 that you're going to be with for the next 80 years, uh, which is, you know, not most people's modern yeah, experiences. Anyway, very unlikely. So, yeah, she gives her good advice about it. And she does admit to her that her own commitment issues are, and we don't know why Lorelai has these commitment issues. I mean, she's a very complicated person. And it could have something to do with having a baby at such a young age. I, you know, there's there's a lot going on in her in her mind. Yeah, I feel like we are a little bit quick to call them commitment issues. Like just because someone has not committed yet, I don't think necessarily means they have issues. I think she has had a pretty practical reason not to commit to mm-hmm. anyone up until now, and that is that she has a child and she doesn't want to sub- subject Rory to her own painful breakups now that doesn't necessarily mean that i think that all single moms should not date i I don't think that but i i guess like you know i am now pretty close to lorelei's age and i am in a committed relationship but also i don't think there's anything wrong with being 32 to whatever age and not being in a committed relationship Mm -hmm. or like not having found the right relationship yet and I feel like that's part of what is happening, especially when we consider what just happened with her and Max. She did yeah. finally commit to Max, and in that moment, he broke up with her. And I feel like that we're we're using that as as if that's like more evidence for her commitment issues, but it's not. She was having some issue committing to him in that episode, but she was kind of proven right because the moment she committed to him, he dumped her. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know if that's really a, her having a commitment issue so much as like an issue of bad timing and also of Max maybe not being the right person for her. I, I agree with you, but she's the one who calls it commitment issues in the scene. Yeah, for sure. I but mean, I think yeah. that's I think that's a common, I think like this is part of my issue with it is that I feel like there is this cultural narrative that all children need to be raised by 
married people or else they'll never understand how to have a relationship. And I just don't mm-hmm. think that's true. And no, I don't think that the uh, show is trying to say that, but I no. do think that the way the show presents this feeds into that narrative, if, if that if that makes sense. And it does. It does. My other side of this is I do think this is what Rory needed to hear, but not because of Dean. I feel like she needed to hear this because her problem this episode is that she hasn't been opening up to Lane or her mom. And Mm -hmm. I feel like this conversation does allow her to finally do that. But I am also of the opinion that I don't think she owed it to Dean to say I love you if she wasn't ready yet. Oh, I agree. (laughs) She's 16. I mean, presumably. 16, 17. They're both very young. It's a very hard thing even for older people to say yeah. To, to to one another. So I think I wasn't surprised at all by her, her reticence in that in that scene yeah. in the car. And he's also mm-hmm. just given her a car. So mm-hmm. I mean it's a car he's he's building, but still it's, it was it's a, a lot very, of pressure a, in one moment. The yeah. lot of pressure in that one scene. And this is her first boyfriend. It's not his first girlfriend. He he doesn't recognize that. He doesn't want to rec- and again, so he's number three, Dean, it's all about him because she doesn't say I love you back in that moment, he breaks up with her forever. Really? He, you know, so he could have said to her well, two two things in the scene. Emily could have said to Lorelai, when Lorelai is saying, I need to come over and see her, she could have said to her, I know that you feel that way right now, and I understand that, and I would feel the same way, but I think Rory needs to be alone with her thoughts for a while. She had yeah. had, had had structured her comments in that way. I think that scene would have been a lot easier for me to live with and a lot easier for Lorelai to live with. And Dean, if he had understood in the moment with Rory when he told her he loved her, if he'd understood, or if he'd even prefaced it with, you may not be ready to say this back to me, but I want you to know that I love you. Mm-hmm. And if he, if but, you know, but he doesn't do it. And, and I don't think it's a maturational thing because he's had a girlfriend before. And for the most part, he comes across most of the time. He's fairly mature for his, you know, for a teenage boy. But again, the, the men in this, in this show, other than Luke, are very, very self-centered and very focused on their own needs, oblivious to the needs of the women in their lives. And, yeah. and it's just another character. With both Max and Dean, it is this kind of weird, like, they are both hung up on the woman they want to express commitment to like not expressing the exact same level of commitment exactly when they want them at to. the same moment yes yeah. it's like they don't even want to give them time to grow into it or to think about it why haven't you been thinking about this already we've been together for three seconds why don't you <laughs> why don't you why don't you love me mm-hmm. so yeah it, it's a very immature approach I am much more ready to be lenient on Dean here than Max, both because he's he's younger and also because he hadn't previously dumped Rory, like, in Mm -hmm. that moment. You know, I just, I I feel like I'm floored by Max's, not even Max's behavior, because he's not, like, that belligerent about it, but I am floored by the show framing Max as right after Yep. What just happened with them. Yeah. Well, interestingly, I'm not sure they frame Dean as being right because they don't really give him any credit for, for, you know, they don't make it. Yeah. I mean, we definitely have a feeling after that scene and remembering that scene that Rory was the one who was right. 
and and Dean was the one who was wrong. So um, and and I will also say that I don't think Dean deserved to be like harassed by the rest of the town <laughs> because nope. they broke up. Because I don't think that would have been true no matter why they broke up. Like it's just not well, the rest of the town's business. <laughs> but she's the town's baby. But she's the so, town's baby. And, yeah. and he's new to town. <laughs> yeah, he's just moved there. So Rory and Lorelai come to an understanding. They go back to town. And the last scene? Two more brief scenes. There's like okay. a half scene where... It's two more half scenes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, two more half scenes. L- Lorelai yeah. like slows down the car and Rory gets out to go make up with Lane. And and she doesn't even have to say anything. She's just running up to the up the steps and Lane comes out and hugs her. I mean, it's yeah. like that's that kind of supportive love that I think is not depicted often enough in television where women support each other and understand each other and appreciate each other anyway so i think that that's a great scene um and then we cut to the last scene which is funny but also ridiculous infuriating (laughs) infuriating yeah so lorelei calls max to let him know that she's going to call every single person in her like book of people every person that she knows in her address book to let them know that they're talking again and that she's also going to put little like notes on the pillows of everyone who comes to stay at the inn saying <laughs> that they're back together, which is very and, funny. But then she doesn't. But then she and does she, it. She, yeah. She starts to do it. And it's like, it's a funny joke. It's not something you want to follow through on. And it's also like, I, I would have preferred the scene if Max had responded to the joke by saying, you know, I realized that I overreacted and mm-hmm. I should not be pressuring you to tell anyone about us. You tell people about us in your own time. That's not what matters to me. Like, that's how the scene should have ended. But instead they're like, nope, Max was right and she's going to call everyone and tell them. And, you know, or even if she just picked up a phone and called Suki and said, you know, yeah. I, I, I need to tell you something. This Except is, you Suki, know, Suki knows because Suki, Suki knows, was yeah. in the previous scene where Max was there and she wasn't like, yeah. why is Max here? She so must know. I think she told Suki I, good, already. Good observation. I hadn't thought about that. You're right. She must have told Suki. Yeah. Yeah. So, which is like, who else does she really need to tell other than mm-hmm. Suki and Rory? Mm-hmm. And they both know. Yeah. And, and, all, and she had a good reason for not telling Rory. A reason that had fucking nothing to do with Max or her own supposed commitment issues. I think her reasoning made absolute sense, and I believe it. And I probably would have done the same thing if I were her. Because, you know, you do want to do it when, like, her reasoning was, I had a friend who got back together with their boyfriend right after I broke up with mine in high school, and then she rubbed it in my face all the time, and I was miserable, and I didn't want to repeat that mistake with Rory which is like yeah that's that's what you try to do as a parent you try to prevent them from going through like the worst things that you went through that were avoidable you know (laughs) yeah and sometimes you can't so there's so you do one of two things you either want to coach them so that they don't go through the things that you went through because they learn from your experience but on some issues you can't do that and what you want to do then is just be the one sitting there rubbing their back and saying I know it hurts and that is all you can do because everybody has to feel their own pain and work through it in their own ways. They can listen to the advice of their parents and their friends and put it all together and, and through their own experience come to, you know, a meaningful way in their life of dealing with this kind of heartache. But you have to do it on your own. So do you have final thoughts on this? <sighs> I mean, I think I kind of already said them, you know, I, I do think that Lorelai's speech at the end is 
what Rory needs to hear, even though I fundamentally disagree with the idea that a parent, that a child raised by a single parent will not understand how to have yeah, a relationship. I agree. Uh, and, and I feel like that's kind of a bad anti, I, I think it's kind of an anti-feminist concept because it's, it's meant to discourage women from being single mothers. And there is nothing inherently wrong with being a single mother if that's what you want to be. <laughs> But, you know, the, mo- the majority of people who have a problem with single mothers are the ones who say, well, you have to have a father. There has to be a father in that child's life. And I've always felt that it is much easier and works, for the most part, a little bit better if you have two parents parenting sure. a child. But yeah. it doesn't have to be a man and a woman. It, it can be, be two women. women. Yeah. It can be two men. So, I mean, I see, you know, gay couples all the time. And not just gay mm-hmm. couples, but, you know, people who, who parent children together, who, who are helpful, who, you know, yes. are friends. And it, it, as long as you have extra support, mm-hmm. of course it's going to be better. Of course it's going to be easier. Yeah. Um, but make, that's just because it's a lot of work to raise a child. As I say, you will make fewer <laughs> mistakes the more yeah. support you have. And, yeah. and that, that is crucial. But that doesn't mean that women can't do it by themselves. Or that men yeah. can't. If, you, they, if you're a good you, parent, you can do it. Yeah. And like, you know, if we're getting right down to it, yes, it's definitely easier to raise a child when you have at least one person to share the burden with. And you know what? It's going to be even easier if you have more than one person to share yep. the burden with. If we mm-hmm. weren't so set on these nuclear families where it's yeah. just these two people locked together in a room to raise children, if we had a more community-based approach, like Lorelai has. She has yes. a whole town to help her with Rory. <laughs> Yes, and actually, that brings me to my summary point, is that what I love about the modern TV shows that I've been watching lately is the way they approach friendships in a sort of community organizing principle. So like Ted Lasso, there's a, there's a community there, there's the team, there's a set of friends, and they all support each other in different ways. There's another show that I just started to watch, it's called Shrinking, Harrison Ford. Isn't it? First TV show he's oh, ever okay. done. And so is that guy from How I Met Your Mother, the, the one who was married to the woman who was a puffy. Jason Siegel. <laughs> Thank you. I knew if I gave you enough clues, you'd come up with it because my yes, memory he, is shot. He played so, Marshall and he was married to Lily, who was oh played my by God, stop it. Hannigan, stop it. Who was stop Willow it. from Buffy. <laughs> okay, so thank you, my memory brain. Um, <laughs> Anyway, so Jason Siegel has basically written and developed and produces this show. And it's, it's just, he's a, he's a psychiatrist or psychologist. They haven't really said what kind of doctor they But there's him, there's, there's Harrison Ford, and there's a young black woman. And they support each other in interesting and antagonizing kind of ways, but also very, they're, they're psychiatrists, right? Or, so, you know, psychologists or whatever. So when they make statements that are too uh, ridiculous, you know, they'll say, oh, that was kind of, that's not racist, but, you know, that wasn't being very honest about what black women experience or, you know, anyway, it's that kind of thing. So they, they, they cut, they catch themselves immediately saying things that are stupid. But there's also just this big community and the dialogue that they have with each other is very supportive. And it's it's a community of friends, loving friends. And, it, and it, that seems to be, a new thing in TV shows. And they've always been communities like uh, Scrubs had a community, you know, but, and, and ensemble cast TV shows. But these, it just seems to be a trend right now that, that these, these, these community groups, they might even, you know, start kind of apart, but then they come together over the course of the, 
the show. It certainly happened in Ted Lasso. Anyway, I, I like that about modern TV shows. And I like that part of what's happening in the, the Gilmore Girls, but it hasn't matured yet. There's still a dependence on these old-fashioned tropes. I mean, you know, yeah. these, these women have to be have to solve all the problems. It's and like heteronormative men, tropes. Yeah, yeah, and, and men get taken care of. And what I love about these two shows that I just mentioned is that they, they're they're upending that. They're throwing it on its ear, and it's just, it's wonderful to see. And they don't do it in a way that suggests that they have all the answers. You know, a lot of times they're asking questions, but that's where you start, is you ask questions. And I think Lorelai does that to some extent, but not everybody in the show does. So I am not at all sad that we will be ending our our pod, our Gilmore Girls podcast and one more episode because I, I'm looking forward to where we take these conversations into the future with, with other TV shows that have gotten better over the last two decades and with movies that, that depict, depict women's lives truthfully and compassionately. So back to your listeners is all for today. Uh, I'm Tessa Dare. And you can find me at my website, tessadair.com. That's T-E-S-S-A-D-A-I-R.com, where you can sign up for my email list. Or you can follow me on Instagram at author.tess.adair or on TikTok at author.tess.adair. And if you want to support us on Patreon, we are at patreon.com slash where you lead. And I am Beth Von Baron. You can follow me on Instagram at stl underscore writer underscore Beth, or sign up for my weekly Substack email, Saturday Morning Musings, at stlwriterbeth.substack.com. This has been Where You Lead, our fun and terribly insightful and witty podcast about the Gilmore Girls from the perspective of a mother and daughter. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed it, and we'll tune in for our next episode our last episode in two weeks. See you then.